Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Can you guys hear me again? I get I guess somebody's waving. Are you waving at me or him? All right. Thank you, Louie. And, and again, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, my name is Saul Hernandez. I'm an elder here at Celebration Church. And um, our pastor, our lead pastor, Robert Russell, is off today. So you get me. And so I would encourage you, if you're visiting in particular, to please come back. Um, and uh, somebody referred to Robert last night as the big guy. I don't know that he would appreciate that title, but for a lot of us, he certainly is big in our hearts. And I don't do this very often. I know my fellow elder there can appreciate that, you know, the challenge that this is, to, you know, the, the prayer and even the spiritual attack, right, that happens before you get a chance, obviously, to speak in church. And so I think as of course we should try to keep Robert and the whole staff in our prayers, and they do a lot, and they minister a lot, and they meet a lot of needs. This is a big church which has a lot of outreach, but hence a lot of needs. And so we have a wonderful dedicated staff like Tammy this morning with a baby dedication. So I would encourage you to pray for, the, for Robert and for the staff, the worship team on a regular basis. So with that, anyway, happy, happy Mother's Day. And so we have been in a series, Robert has been in a series that called Confronting Chaos, and the subtitle or subtext, if you will, is Standing in Truth in a Confused Culture. So today being Mother's Day, that was easy for me to come up with a title of what I was gonna teach about. Now, how to teach is a little different story, but it is, and I think, and the title of my teaching is called Chaos Surrounding Motherhood. However, some of you out there that are not moms or don't want to be moms or I don't know, whatever, guys and such, dads, this, this message is for you as well. And so where's my clicker? Yeah, I got my pocket. Got to make sure to turn it on. All right, so I want to talk a little bit, though, about there's kind of multiple sources of chaos. And by the way, this is something I saw on the internet. I thought that was really funny. Mom is the name, chaos is the game. How many of you out there? Mamas feel that that, that yeah, nobody's raising their hand. Okay, we have one. I see that hand. Are oh, you were waving? All right. So anyway, mom is the name, chaos is the game. But I think there's multiple sources of chaos. And I'll start with what I call family circus. I made this stuff up, so whatever. Family circus motherhood chaos. Now, does anybody remember the comic strip back in the 70s and 80s called Family Circus? Some of you young people may not. It was a big deal. You do remember, right? And I actually was on the internet, and I wanted, to, on the, I wanted to put some on the screen, but I was worried about copyright, and I don't want to do something, you know, I'm in church, so I better not break the law. So, uh, so I didn't put it up. But right, but Family Circus was a comic strip, and it often depicted the harried, crazy, chaotic life of a young mom. And she would often have like a baby clinging at her leg. She'd, have a, she'd be holding another one. She may be cooking, she may have the dog eating something in the background, right? And so there's just a, a, a kind of a normal chaos, if you will, that surrounds being a mom, and particularly in today's age, right? So it just so happens that 
the mom in our family, my wife and my daughter, are in chaos down in Knoxville right now at a basketball travel tournament, right? So she's having to deal, you know, having to deal with home, work, kids. Kids are into everything, travel ball. You know, in some cases, it's grandparents taking care of kids, right? So there's a lot of just natural often good chaos that surrounds motherhood. So I'll tell you a quick story um, of some family circus chaos around my house. Uh, A few years ago, it's been a while because my boys are all grown now, but they were both, I think they were six and eight, I guess, at home. And I had been gone, I'd been gone for about 10 days traveling on business. And so my wife is holding up the fort, doing everything right, being super mom, and at the time, we had a farm as well. We used to farm. We sort of retired from farming. So you can imagine, right, chaos. So, so I finally get home, and I get home, and she's like, you know what? I'm exhausted. I need a break. I love these boys, but I need to go out. I think I'm going to go shop, grocery shopping. I think I'm going to nails. Do you mind keeping the boys for a few hours? And I'm like, of course I don't mind. You've been here all that. Hold up. Sure. I, I No worries. I got this, right? So she's fine. So she's pulling out of the car. And I know she was at the end of the driveway because I had to go on the front porch. She's pulling out of the driveway and I hear screaming on the front porch. So I go out to the front porch and one of my boys hit the other boy, I can't remember who hit who, with a rock and there's a cut on his head and he's bleeding all this jazz, right? So I'm off to the emergency room. So I'm sitting in the emergency room and one of them is getting stitched up and the phone rings and it's, my wife, obviously, and she's like, hey, how you doing? How's it going? I said, oh, it's just fine. She said, where are you? I said, I'm in the emergency room. <laughs> she's like, what? You know, you could hear almost without, it's like, like the Christmas story, I can't remember that scene where that mom's really mad about her son. You know, it's like, what, what? She's screaming, right? I had been, go- I had one job, right? I was, she was gone like 30 minutes. She watched them for 10 days, no problems. I'm there like, yeah, and I'm already in the emergency room. By the way, that was another funny thing, talk about Family circus. I remember the boy, my son when he was getting stitched up, as serious as he could be. He looks up to the nurse and he says, or the doctor, he says, "Are you trying to kill me?" <laughs> so anyway, that was funny, right? So there's that kind of of chaos, right, surrounding motherhood. But there's another, maybe not so lighthearted, chaos. And I'll call this again. I made this up. I didn't know what else to call it. Painful life, motherhood chaos, right? And I acknowledge that for a lot of people, at best, today is a day that you have some mixed feelings about and mixed emotions about. At worst, it's a very painful day. I was talking to somebody after the service last night, talking about in some cases, there's some people that refuse to come to church today because of the pain that they have surrounding this topic of motherhood and mom's day. And mom's day is not a day of celebration like we just did. It's a very painful day and could be because your mother has passed, could be because your relationship with your mother, right, is not well. It could be the opposite. It could be that for you, your relationship with your children, maybe you've lost a child, maybe you suffer from some post-abortive stress or trauma, men and women, right? And so we, we acknowledge that. Uh, and we had some, we had some painful life motherhood chaos in, in, our li- in our lives as well. One of my kids is adopted, and um, let's just say the start to their life was, was, was full with chaos because of bad choices and drugs and, and addictions and just very, very sad, right? So, 
So I want to acknowledge that, right? And I also want to acknowledge, too, that God calls, it's between you and God. He calls some of you to be married, but he calls some of you to be single. And some of you may be childless or without children, and that's okay, right? Right? I mean, you, that's between you and, you and God. And, and uh, so certainly what I talk about today doesn't don't want you to be, feel like uh, anything, you're condemned, if you will, because you, you, you're not, don't have children or have those feelings. And we're going to talk about that because that's very real, right? And then the other, so that's family circus chaos, painful, I'll call it painful life motherhood chaos, right? And then, um, man, this click, it's great when the clicker works. I'm always nervous right before I hit the button. Uh, and the next one I'll call is, it talk about chaos, cultural attacks, chaos. And this is the chaos, again, going back to the title subtext, right? It's send, standing in truth in a confused culture because our culture is pretty confused at times about motherhood and family. And, cons- and consequently, by the way, confusion about motherhood and family comes down to really life and death. Um, and I really believe that there is a spiritual attack and it's diabolical in nature. And this attack on motherhood, I think, is one, is a, one of the most consequential spiritual battles that, that our culture is facing today. I think Satan's number one goal uh, after being cast down was to, number one, attack the spiritual family, the body of Christ. But I also think right after that, his target, second target is the destruction of the traditional family, of which moms and parents play a very important role. One of the other things that's really interesting, one of the most vulnerable targets in this attack, in this culture war, is the children. And um, there's a lot of folks that want to redefine, you know, the role of parents and family and the children. Um, People are actively, or Satan is actively attacking our school children, kids in school through social media, of course, school, et cetera. Um, Something interesting, too, is there's even an effort to redefine the term mom and motherhood. Some folks don't want to use that term. They say we should use the term of birth parents, right, because that's more generic. I think another lie, too, that Satan wants you to believe about motherhood is that the world is a horrible place, and you don't want to bring up a child in it, right? I think another big lie, and I'll get off my soapbox because I'm an elected official on the Virginia side, by the way, in addition to being elder. I think there's some that see that children's lives are expendable. Um, I don't want to get political, but I live in Virginia, and a couple, one governor ago said that, uh, that it was okay. He basically promoted infanticide and said that it was okay that after a child was born that the parent and the, and the parents can get together and decide whether the child was sustainable and worth living. And when he had a chance to double down, he didn't. He repeated that. So either he meant it, which is horrible, or for whatever reason he, didn't, he wasn't willing to stand up against it. Either way, there's an attack on our children. And then the last thing, and there's a lot of things we can go on and on, talk about the cultural attacks of motherhood, but that parenting is, is, is left to others. Uh, so, and, and I will say that again, I think, and we're gonna talk about this, I think an attack on motherhood, attack on family, is actually an attack on life itself. 
Because if Satan can stop that, right, can stop us from having children and, and holding children up in regard, I mean, there's no more life, right? That's what, that's what parenting is, and that's what uh, uh, motherhood entails. So a couple of scriptures I want to share. One is in Hebrews. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, that by his death he might break the power of him. Who holds the power of death, and that is the devil? And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so prior to Jesus coming on the scene, right, Satan had ultimate power over death or a substantial power over death. Um, And I'm not just saying that. That's what the scripture says in Hebrews, right? Satan held power over death. But in Romans, it says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death, right? So again, I think when we talk about motherhood and the family and the cultural attacks, we're really talking about something that's about death and life. Now, I want to talk, as I think about motherhood, I'm going to, I want to talk about which one of the most iconic, I guess, moms in Scripture, and that's Mary. And so... um, and just to be clear, right, I grew up, well, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I was, I was from Venezuela. I was actually baptized as a Catholic, right? And so oftentimes, sort of in Protestant, Western churches, uh, Mary plays prominent in the birth of Jesus, and we often uh, talk about, a lot about her, but then she kind of falls off the scene. I think sometimes we are careful because we, uh, we don't want to deify Mary, and I get that, and I think that's all right, right? Mary was, well, she was unique in history as a human, as a mom, right? Because she birthed Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and she did it without the, the biological assistance of a man, right? So we hold her in high regard, but we don't deify her. We don't worship her and such in our faith. But suffice it to say, Mary had a lot of chaos surrounding her role as a mom and in motherhood. It's hard to me to imagine somebody, some other mom in scripture, and I'm sure there are, that didn't have as much chaos. And of course, it all began, as we know, when Jesus comes on the scene. And I'm gonna, and I'm not, there was a lot of chaos in, in when he was born, right? We're gonna try to paint a word picture, right, of how he was born. But there was even chaos as he was conceived, Right? So scriptures in Luke say, um, when the angel came to Mary to announce what was going on, right, that she would be the mother of Jesus, uh, he came to her and he said, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you shall call him Jesus. And then later it says, and then they continue to have the conversation. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father. He will reign over Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary's like, wait a minute, how will this be, right? I'm a virgin. Oh my goodness, chaos, right? And he said, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. No worries, Mary. The Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and called a son of God. And this is really interesting. I love Mary's response here. What does she say? I am the Lord's servant. And then she says, May your word to me be fulfilled. 
And I think the reason that's so interesting is, and I looked it up in the Greek, that is a statement in the affirmative. What that means is that Mary consented. When, she's, when this happens and she realizes, the angel comes and communicates to her, says, Mary, I want you to carry the Son of God, the Messiah, right? All this, the Old Testament uh, prophecies pointing to the Messiah, which you all have been waiting for as, as, as Jewish people, it's all gonna come to fruition and you're gonna play a really big part. And oftentimes we think, well, Mary said, okay, I guess I'm 16 year old, what else am I gonna do? But I think it's very, very clear that she consented. She said, okay, I'll do that, right? So it was consensual. And um, so anyhow, so a lot of chaos, of course, around um, the uh, uh, conception of Jesus, but a lot of chaos around the birth. And we all know the Christmas, you know, what we talk about it at Christmas, but talk about a chaotic birth. A couple of my boys had, well, my middle son, if you know him, it was like, no problem, no worries. His name is Jesse. The older one, if you know him, of course his birth had to be complicated. And it wasn't as bad as this, but he was born breech. He wasn't breathing. It was the first time we had a, you know, it was our first child, our oldest. We didn't know what to do, and he wasn't breathing. And all of a sudden, the lights are going off, and everybody's scurrying around the, the delivery room. And I remember one of the nurses, or the doctor, I think, saying, breathe, baby, breathe. And I could see the panic in his eyes and his tone of voice. That was not very reassuring to us, right? The chaos in that room. Thankfully, he, he did, and um, they, they let John touch him, and then they rushed him off to some little box, and he was there for a few days, and then we were okay, right? But that was nothing compared to this chaos surrounding the birth of Jesus. First of all, it says that when they, they, uh, they, were, from a t- they were from the town of Nazareth, but they, were, but they went to Judea, uh, to Bethlehem, the town of David. So first of all, he wasn't born where they were from. So I'm guessing it would be, you know, nice to have had family there, right? Because it says while they were there. It says later on in the scripture, of course, that he was the firstborn. So our firstborn were always a lot more stressed. I remember when John Stewart was born and my wife, when he was an infant, he, my wife would carry around this big old diaper bag and it had like a first aid kid. I think it even had a book in there. I don't know how, what to expect when you're expecting and diapers and wipes and little snot nose thingy, the little you know, bottle thing, right? And by the time uh, our third one was born, she's just like carrying a diaper in her purse, right? So you kind of, you know, you chill out from the firstborn to the last one. But this was poor Mary's firstborn, right? She's what, 16, 17? They weren't at home. It's her firstborn, right? They didn't have a place. They're wandering around, right? Looking for a place to have this baby, okay? Then it says, um, uh, oh, let me, I got hold of it. Then, of course, you know the rest of the story. All these strangers show up. The shepherds show up, right? Uh, the magi show up, and there's all this chaos, and, and it's, just, it's just a crazy, chaotic scene. And oh, by the way, Herod, was trying to have Jesus killed, right? He was out there killing all these babies and they had to do what? Get out of town. So again, the conception of the birth of Jesus, Mary had some chaos surrounding her, her motherhood. So we'll continue. Um, the next, of course, is raising Jesus. And this is a really neat story too. Uh, well, wait, let me back up. Whoop, I'm going the wrong way. 
Well, I guess not. I'm going to try one more time. Can y'all? I see it in the back. All right. Perfect. All right, here we are. All right, thank you. Technology's great when it works, but when it doesn't, it freaks you out. So, uh, but anyway, um, so anyhow, so continuing on that theme, some more chaos, raising Jesus. You think your kids are a challenge. Can you imagine raising the Messiah, the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? I mean, oh, I, I don't even want to, you know, the emotion. And again, a fairly young mom. And one of these, I think there's, a, there's an incident in Scripture it talks about in Luke that um, it was Passover time. And it's often, uh, you know, Jews traveled to Jerusalem during Passover of course, that's a celebration, right, of, of how God brought them out of Egypt, right? And I, I've been to Jerusalem, and I've sat up on the Mount of Olives and looked down over old Jerusalem. And it's big, but it's not that big. And oftentimes it's said that there's about 2 million people that back in the day of Jesus' time that would come to Jerusalem during Passover. So it was a crazy place and a crazy time. And so... Um, and this scripture talks about Luke. It said they were there. Jesus' family was there in Jerusalem celebrating Passover. And I'm going to see if I actually have one more verse. Yes, there it goes. Celebrating Passover, right? And so what happens? They get done with Passover and they leave. And I can sort of envision the, the, the you know, what happened, kind of like home alone kind of thing. Lots of people, lots of chaos, two million, kid, two million people trying to get out of the city, caravans and all that. And they were gone a day before they realized that Jesus, he was 12 at the time, wasn't with them. He's gone. Can you imagine? You just left Jerusalem. You got a 12-year-old, and you're like, where's Jesus? I don't know. It's your day. To, I wasn't watching him. Can you? Can you? And, and um, it's funny. How many, of you, how many of y'all ever left your kids somewhere? Come on now. I see that hand. Yeah, I did. We've done it. We've done it twice here at Celebration, which is kind of bad. Um, and both times what happened is my wife and I drove to church separate. And we thought that, it's both times it's been Jesse. But anyway, we thought that he was in the car with the other. And we get home, it's like, you got Jesse? No, you got Jesse. The first time it happened, we were stressed. The second time, it's like, oh, it's Jesse. He'll be fine. So, uh, but this is a little different story. So the Bible says, thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. They began looking for him amongst friends and relatives. And then the scripture says, they didn't find him. They went back to Jerusalem. And they searched for him for three days. And when they finally found him, he was in the temple courts, sitting among teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Finally find him. It's like, oh my God. Can you imagine the stress? The, as a parent, you lost your kid for three days in Jerusalem, right? And, and Jerusalem's a pretty chaotic place. And then when they find him, they have a really interesting discourse. It says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I love that response because that's the response that I have. I can't believe you did that. What are you doing, right? Why have you done this to us? We've been looking for you three days. And then Jesus' response is classic. He says, why were you searching for me, he asked. Don't you know that I had, a, had to be in my father's house? And that's kind of foretelling a little bit, right? To uh, another episode, another time in Jesus' life where he was missing for three days. So uh, I thought that was interesting. So man, poor Mary. Woo. All right. Another instance, this is chaos surrounding Jesus, but this was a little different stage in his life, right? Then he was 12. Here he was, uh, I'd say, I don't know, 30 or so, right? And many of you know the story. 
of the miracle that Jesus performed at the wedding in Cana. And I love, and how many of you have seen The Chosen? See, I like getting, if I keep getting you to raise your hands, I know you're awake, right? There's a beautiful, one of the episodes depicts, of course, it's, I know they take some, some dramatic liberties, but still, it's a beautiful episode of Jesus and what happened and what actually happened at the wedding at Cana. And it was really, really interesting because um, his mom, right, was doing her mom thing. And Mary, really, there was two things at play. I think one, she genuinely wanted her friend's wedding, right, to go well. And she knew Jesus could do that. He could change that and he could, he could turn water into wine, right? And so I think she genu- it was out of a genuine love and desire uh, for, her, for her friend, right, and that wedding to go well. But there was something else at play. Because when they're having this discussion and Jesus is prompting Mary, or Mary is prompting Jesus, asking him to get involved, what is his objection? He says, said to her, first of all, he calls her woman. So it's like, and you can sort of see, that's, that's really interesting, right? And then he says what? My hour has not yet come. And what he was referencing is that mom, woman, you realize that if I perform this miracle, it's on. This is the beginning. The whole world, or at least in my little world, is going to know. You know, this is going to be the beginning of the ministry, the beginning of, of, of what I have been called here to do, a sin on earth called to do, right? And so he was pushing back some. He was saying, ah, I'm not quite ready. And mom, and, and I got to believe, I don't know for sure, but they had talked about this prior. They had talked about his ministry. They talked about what he was going to do. He was purposely keeping it on the down low. And he was telling his mom, no, I'm not sure this is the time. And Mary's, nope, I know. I know that if you do this, it's on. But hey, you know, as your mom, this is what I'm telling you to do, right? And he, in his wisdom, and I, I don't pretend to know and understand all the dynamics of, uh, a, a, of Jesus who is all God and all man in his relationship with his mom. And you gotta believe he was perfect and he was perfect without sin. So, you know, sometimes that dynamics is a little hard for me to understand, but we know those are, those are truths, right? That he was God and he was man, right? And she wasn't God, right? But she was his mom <laughs> and she had her own wisdom and she had a role to play in raising and developing Jesus into who he was. Um, so anyway, chaos surrounding how he was conceived, his birth, raising Jesus was no easy, no easy task, I would imagine. And then, of course, the chaos that we all know as it relates to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what was inter- and of course, there was a lot of chaos that preceded that, right? At the garden, the song that we sung, from the garden to the open tomb, and again, we went to Israel last year, and I was in both those places, and we were singing that song about the open tomb. I could, we were there. We were at the, at the garden tomb, and I could visualize that, that empty tomb, right, and the significance of that. And um, again, this was probably the most pivotal event in the history of mankind. There's a lot of chaos surrounding it, and Mary was right in the middle of it, right, beginning at the garden, right, and all that jazz and everything left up to it. But I thought this is really interesting, and there's a lot of scriptures that we can talk about all that. 
but the interesting scripture was in John chapter 25. And it talks about standing by the cross of Jesus. There was his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Mag- Magdalene, right? His mom was there, his, his aunt was there at the cross, and Mary Magdalene was there. Can you imagine what was going through Mary's mind sitting there, right, watching everything that's transpiring? Because we often talk about that, you know, the love of God, we sung about it, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that's right, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, have eternal life, right? And that was the whole purpose of that act, right? And if you're here and you don't know Christ, and I'm talking about knowing him in a personal way, you got an opportunity today, happy to talk to you after the service, right? But this had to be done because we were all sinners, right? But in order for us to have communion and relationship with a perfect God, there had to be an intermediary. Somebody had to intercess on our behalf and take upon themselves, himself, Jesus, our sins, the sins of the world, and hence then allowing us, right? Breaking down that sin wall and allowing us to have relationship with God, the Father, right? But there was Mary in the middle of all that. And you gotta believe, just as God was mourning the death of his son, Mary was mourning the death of her baby boy right? And the reason I say baby boy is my old son's a slug. He's getting ready to turn 29 and he's married and has a baby. He's still my, my baby boy, right? He's still that little boy when he was born and I was a 21-year-old parent and think, oh my goodness, is he going to survive? I mean, he's still my baby boy, right? And Mary was, Jesus was her baby boy. Yeah, he was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He was the God of cre- yeah, creation, um, but he was still son, and she loved him. She loved him for being a savior, but she also, for being his, her teacher, his Messiah, her Messiah, but she loved him because he was his son. And so she's sitting there at the cross, like mamas often do, right, in times of trouble, in this chaos, and I'm guessing she had a lot of things going through her mind. I don't know, but I would imagine that maybe she thought about the wedding at Cana, Maybe if he hadn't come out so publicly. You know, because this didn't turn out the way, this didn't turn out the way she thought, right? A few days earlier when they arrived in Jerusalem, surrounding all that pomps and circumstance, they didn't think it would turn out this way. At least Mary, I would imagine, didn't think it would turn out this way. She knew he had a plan, she trusted him, but I don't know that she saw this. Maybe she did, maybe she caught on. Jesus was trying to tell him all along that this is what happened, this, would, this is what had to be done. Maybe she did catch on, maybe not, right? But Mary was there, and she witnessed all of it. And I don't, can't imagine how painful that might have been to see her baby boy treated that way. And, and I would think I, uh, when, when he says, when Jesus says, he said several things on the cross that are uh, really insightful. But when he gets on the cross and he says, he t- looks to John and he says, John, He says, woman, behold your son, and John, behold your mother. He's basically saying, take care of mama for me. I would think that when she heard those words, those just were pierced. Because, And again, I don't know. I don't want to be presumptuous. But maybe she was thinking, well, at some point, he's going to come down off that cross. Maybe she, or maybe she was hoping it, right? But when he hears those words, it's like, nope, this is what's going to happen. And so, suffice it to say that Mary suffered a lot of, there was a lot of chaos around her, um, 
her, her stint as a mom, right? Family circus chaos, chaos, difficult family life chaos, and of course, a lot of chaos brought on by the culture of the day. But I think there's some things that we can learn from Mary and her response to all this chaos. First, that Mary chose life over death from the beginning. And there's sort of a literal, but there's a spiritual connotation, right, to that. Satan and the enemy wants to um, have us live in a state of spiritual death. Even if you're a Christian, right? I often think about something called uh, Christian imposter syndrome, uh, which is when we as Christians think that, you know, we don't really... I mean, I think about it myself. I'm an elder at church, but to be honest, there's days I'm like, wow, what? I don't, I'm not worthy of that title elder. I'm not worthy to be standing on the stage sharing with you, teaching you about, you know, what God I feel has led me to teach in scriptures, right? So we all suffer that. So I think, I think it's very important to choose life over death. And um, I'm going to take a little side street here on this, you know, and I was, again, I was talking to someone last night about um, this very thing, and oftentimes we use the word choose life as associated with the, the anti-abortion, the pro-life movement, right, and of which I'm a big, a big proponent, but I think it's really interesting that we know that, that uh, even if you have gone down that path before, that God forgives and he heals and there is a way forward. There is a way forward. And that's because despite your fears, her fears and anxieties, Mary trusted God, right? Talk about the most unlikely vessel, unlikely character to designate as the role of the mother of Jesus. Her age, she was not politically connected. She, doubt, was very highly educated from what I can tell, she was, from what we see in the scriptures, she was simple, um, but she loved, loved God, and she did not let her fears, her anxieties, right, um, get in the way of her trusting God, and she trusted God. It was an act, it was an affirmative act of faith from the moment she said yes till the last time she's mentioned in scripture, and I think she's mentioned one other time in Acts 1.14, right after the ascension of Jesus, but Mary trusted God in spite of of all the chaos in her life. And then the last thing is, she surrendered the chaos in her life to God. And I don't know what level of chaos you may be facing in your life today, right? But I can tell you that if you surrender that chaos to Christ, he'll take care of it for you. He will bear your burdens. He will heal your wounds and your broken hearts, right? He'll do it, because he is about life. He's about hope. He's about redemption. He's about forgiveness. That's the Christ that we serve. That's the Jesus who we have relationship with. And it's funny, I often think in terms of faith and belief, I really do believe that most people making the leap of faith to believe there is a God is probably not that hard. You look around the world and you got to think, wow, this, there seems to be some structure, some organization. I think there's enough belief in that there's a spiritual something going on. And so I think for most people, of course, that doesn't make you a Christian, 
But for most people, the leap of faith to believe that there is a God, probably not that far. Some people say they don't, but I really believe in their hearts. Now, if you're a Christian, I think the leap of faith to believe that Christ, like I said earlier, died for your sins and that his death on the cross was an atonement for you. And if you accept that, right, that he will forgive you and he will save you and you'll have communion with him. I think that's an, a little harder leap of faith than believing there is God, but that's another sort of leap of faith. Maybe that leap is a little longer, right? But this was where I think it gets difficult. As a Christian, a leap of faith, believing that God died for your sin and he wants to have personal, individual relationship with you. Because I can see saying, well, you know, yeah, God died for me and his, 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 his blood on the cross and that death had covered my sins and as sort of part of the church body, he forgives me and all that. But you know, you don't know that I have this chaos in my life and I have these issues and so I can sort of accept that, but that's as far as I'll go. But that isn't why Christ, I love this verse in Hebrews that talks about the fact that we can boldly, as believers, approach the throne of grace individually. And so I, I, I wanna tell you that surrender the individual chaos, right, in your life to God. And he will show up. He will deliver. Maybe not in the ways that we often think he should or we want him to, but he will. He will deliver. So with that, I wanna close this in prayer. My watch broke last night, so I don't even know what time it is, but I don't see people standing outside the, line, outside the thing, so I guess we're, oh, 1029, thank you very much. They just popped it up for me. So uh, let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We're so grateful um, that you love us and that you care about us as individuals. And Lord, we pray now um, and acknowledge that there is some chaos, but oh, thank, we're so thankful. Like the song said, it was so appropriate. We can literally sing it as well with our soul. In spite of this chaos, in spite of the storms around us, um, and in spite of what the culture, the attacks, the spiritual attacks the culture has on, our, on us and our church family and motherhood, that Lord, we can, we can hang on to you and and Lord, uh, you're the anchor in the, in the storm. And so thank you for being that for us. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for folks today that are hurting, not feeling great. I pray that you be real to them, that you comfort them, that you love them. And we love you, Father. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org and make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.